What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Matt DeMarinas from White and Blue Review. Uh, I'm sitting here with Johnny Atawa from the Omaha World Herald coming to you after... Um, I don't think we've... We've done one podcast after Creighton laid kind of an egg, right? Hinkle, Butler, Road Game? Did we do a podcast after that? Yeah, yeah we did. 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 So, this is the first time we've had one where they've laid an egg at home, though. So, this will be a new experience for everybody, us included. Um... <laughs> But no, St. John's comes in off of, what, losing two in a row and four of the last five, and pretty much just takes Creighton behind the woodshed and has their way with them for 40 minutes, essentially. Um, uh, 83-67 was the final. Uh, that it probably wasn't that close in the second half. Um, uh, Shamari Pons was a superstar tonight, and uh, Creighton didn't have any firepower to match that second game in a row they kind of struggled from the three-point line yeah um and this time uh they didn't have the teeth defensively to overcome that so they the result is a 16-point home loss to st john's and now they have to kind of regroup quickly because xavier's coming in on sunday and um they have to play i think at georgetown tomorrow i believe so who knows what they'll be what they'll be dealing with coming in, but there's kind of a scenario now in the Big East where everybody's kind of got their backs against the wall if you're not named Villanova and Marquette, Seriously. so uh, Creighton doesn't find themselves in a unique position compared to the rest of the rest of the league, but that's the position they're in now after missing an opportunity to kind of have third place by themselves for a, at least a couple days. Um, I guess, John, what are your, some of your initial takeaways on um, maybe just how things transpired? I'm sure that's like... That's probably the most surprising to both of us, I think, is how it went down, not what went down, right? How it went down, yeah. Just the, I don't know, I don't there know. wasn't much, there wasn't much of a fight tonight. There was, it was more of St. John's dictating than... Yeah, I think just the much. fact that Creighton wasn't able to um, sort of establish itself was surprising, given that it's at home and it's one, two in a row, and right. it's kind of shown some urgency and grit and tenacity in the last two games, the two wins and didn't have that, at least not consistently, in this game. That was surprising. But St. John's, I guess, I mean, if you want to say that, because St. John's didn't play like that against Georgetown, it maybe hasn't even played like that all year, if you combine um, the marksmanship offensively with the defensive aggressiveness and just connectivity that, that, that Johnny's had. Like, they probably haven't had that. But I don't know. I, I, I also – wasn't going to be – I like kind of came in. I was like, I, I, I didn't know what to expect from St. John's. I think there was a possibility that you would see a team that wasn't um, in the right space mentally mm-hmm. and was sort of fractured to the point beyond repair. Right. But I thought you could also see a team that would rally and, and deliver a good performance. I agree. By, Either one were possible. I right. Thought, yeah, I didn't yeah, know which sure. one. But I thought it was like a, it felt like a likelihood of either one happening. But Shamari was really good, and I thought he was a tone setter in so many different moments of this game where either Creighton looked like it was going to grab momentum or get the crowd into it or go on a run. He was there making some plays. Um, but, yeah, I thought for whatever reason, whether it was missed shots early, um, the fact that St. John's was hitting some tough shots, um, you know, maybe some tough calls, whatever reason, Creighton never could get, they didn't have that edge. Mm. Um, that was probably my most surprising takeaway was Creighton's lost games at home, and they've played tough teams. I'd argue, I guess, 
if you were to stack up Gonzaga, Ohio State, Villanova, Marquette, and St. John's, those are little five home losses, right? Is yeah. That, I, they've lost five for sure. Yeah, those are the five home losses. Marquette, yeah. Villanova, Ohio State, St. John's. But yeah, that's yeah. five. Yep. So, yeah, those five home losses, if you were to stack those up, I, I mean, would you say, I, I don't know, would you say St. John's is maybe fourth on that list in terms of, like, how good those teams are? Like, I just don't know. Either way, I was, you never saw this yeah, performance from Creighton in that in any of those games. Right. So I think I was a little surprised to see because it felt like the last two games were had potential to be the moment where they kind of turned the corner and matured with all of their toughness and fight and the things that they were going to bring no matter what that that, that that if the shots were falling or if there was turnovers or if people were in foul trouble they were always going to have these base things and those things that I think produced results in the Georgetown and Butler games weren't there tonight and I think that was probably the most surprising part especially because it's on their home floor I actually thought they did kind of ramp it up as the game went on like I thought there was more hustle plays like they made some hustle plays but I don't know if they I mean but but it wasn't there at the start right because I mean they gave up three offensive boards that led to seven points like again that's the St. John's team that does not like sometimes they won't even put guys on the block when you're shooting free throws like they just don't they don't they don't care about that part of the game. So for them to steal seven points like that in a game or in a half where they led by ten at the break, like, that's big. Yeah, yeah. And you can't be giving that stuff up against a team like that. So I think that was a – that to me was a sign of, like, St. John's kind of wanted it more tonight. They were going to be the aggressors, and whether they went down with their third straight loss or not, they were at least going to go down swinging. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that was apparent. Um, and it just didn't feel like St. – or Creighton had, had – responded the way they should. They needed to respond with how much fight St. John's brought to the game tonight. And I think that was a little bit surprising. Because it was an opportunity for Creighton. Like they, you know, they're, they're still below 500 in the league, but they had a chance to be in third place alone and have a three-game winning streak going into another, another home game. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, you know, it felt like they missed an opportunity tonight to at least put their best effort forward in terms of, like, trying to get some mid-season momentum here, and they didn't do it. Um, and I think a, that's probably what, that's probably what's gonna be the hardest part for them to live with. Well, yeah, and it's it's funny like when you get done with the season, a lot of times like when I at least the way I look at it, when I look back at, at games, you know, to me the ones that sting aren't the ones that you lost a heartbreaker, you know, or that it could have gone either way. Yeah, yeah, that you never want to lose those types of game, but games, but like to me, it's the games where you didn't even give yourself a chance to win that really hurt. Because right. like, what if you would have been hooked up, ready to go? Right. Who knows what would have happened? Uh, and so, like, I think of the Butler game, and I think of the St. John's game uh, tonight, the Butler game at Butler. Um, you know, when you uh, look back on the season, you're going to sort of circle those games and just be like, you know, that that, that was a missed opportunity. You never want to be – you know you're not going to play your best every night, but mm-hmm. um, you were talking about some of the things that you can control as, as a team players talk about that kind of stuff all the time. Right. Um, and when you're not – um, controlling what you can control and bringing that 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 edge that they had, playing with that edge that they had the last yeah. two games, like that. That's hurts. what I, that's what I mean. I think you know it probably sounded a little harsh the way I worded it. I think you're on the right track there. Like it seemed like they were trying to win this game off of the things that you couldn't necessarily control. One, St. John's is shot making, and two, their own shot making. So they weren't hitting. St. John's was, and it seemed like that's what they were going to live with 
that's the result they were going to live with tonight. They weren't going to force the issue in any other area of the game. They were just going to hope shots fell and hope St. John's got cold. Yeah. Like, that's not that's not the recipe that helped them get off the schneid when they were 1-4, and four, you know what I mean? So they kind of lost, like you said, they lost that edge for right. tonight. Um, man, with, Shamari was... With that said, oh, though, like, I don't know what they're going to do with Shamari. <laughs> Like yeah, well you know he was he was good he was special like twenty six points I don't, six don't, don't you at times like I I get done with some of these games after creating uh, some of their losses this year and I'm like you know part part of it on one hand I know there's probably some frustration for people looking at like Creighton's defense and being like well why why why'd you let this guy go off or why'd you let him do what he did but. I I look at it as he stepped up, he played well, Shamari did, like Marcus Howard did, um, like uh, Keyshawn Woods at Ohio State did, uh, like Phil Booth did. It's like these veteran, really talented players rise to the occasion when the spotlight's on and when the pressure mounts and they make big-time plays, and I'm like... Mm. Creighton does not have that. Like it really shows up in these games. Like Josh, yeah. remember Josh Perkins, how many fantastic plays he made. Just I've never, the I show. still haven't seen a guy control a game the way Josh Perkins <laughs> right. Second and half. I'm thinking, I like, you know, it, it, partly, it, partly it's just youth mm-hmm. for for Creighton because some of the uh, some of its best players just haven't been in, haven't experienced it enough. Um, some of it might just be some talent, like Shamari Pons. They don't have that. Right on this roster, um, so you know, have Marcus Howard, you know, so like uh, that kind of stood out to me too, and it stood out to me after some games. Well, you as know, well. I've been on that for a minute, like just it's and it's less about like who's the go-to guy. It's more just like I don't even know if they. But I think you need have, someone, and I, mean, I think you need someone you can follow. Right. So maybe that's that's some, like I mean, there's maybe no, there's no question tonight yeah. that if Shamari is like average. Or if he does half of what he does tonight, it's a tire. You know, like it's a totally the, different game. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. he had to be a superstar. Well, let, let me for, just for them to win. Like Marcus Howard had to be a superstar for Marquette. Right. Even just a think chance. about it. Like, it's it's twenty nine all. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was Clark hit a three. Pons might have had the assist on it. I don't know if he did or not. He did. But he did. Yeah. So he assists on a three, and then comes down and hits two more threes, yes. and then hits the three at the at the half to put him up ten. He essentially wasn't a factor until. That stretch you're talking about, when and then it he, he scored 13 of his 16 points in the he first half, it. final eight minutes. He had two assists in that time. Yeah, so he sensed he, it. He and took the up. game over. Yeah. And then in the second half, uh, Creighton cuts it to eight. Shamari uh, drives to the lane, misses, grabs his own board, gets mm-hmm. fouled, two free throws. Next play, gets a steal and a layup. Mm-hmm. Um, half goes goes on. Creighton. The game kind of ebbs and flows. Creighton makes it. Uh, I think Ballack hits a three. It's like 68-57 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, the next three possessions for St. John's. Pons assist, bucket assist. Yep. And that's, he, he, and that was eight points right yeah. there. It's like the, the I, instant response. The way I, I worded the way I worded it in my recap was he was the heartbeat of the game, because like whether he did something or didn't something that like affected what was going on. Like yeah. he as he went, the game went. You know what I mean? Whether he was making a play defensively, whether he was slowing the tempo down and, you know, trying to find a mismatch for St. John's and, you know, setting up guys with the rock on the sleeve dribble and pull up three. Like, he was in control 
of the final probably 35, maybe not 35, probably 25 to 30 minutes of the game. Something like that. And, and it just, there was no stopping him. I mean, we think about his 26 points, and he did it efficiently too, 10 to 17 from the floor. And then his eight assists, I think, led to, so he was four of eight from three, and then his eight of five of his eight assists led to threes for St. John's as well. So he was responsible for nine of their 13 threes. <laughs> Creighton as a team hit nine. Like, <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like he was just an absolute, um, when he got unleashed, like he was a weapon that could not be stopped. Yeah. Like he, I, I, it is like, this is the part where everybody's going to kind of get mad when I say this, but like it is cool to watch that from the, Observer's perspective, no like it's just watching a, a star be a star, right? Ball, like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's love it. Um, PA too. Say travels. What's that? Uh, left. Yep. Straight through the tunnel. Um. Yeah, people are probably like gonna be sick in there, and when they think of the memories of Marcus Howard going fifty-three or Shamari doing what he did tonight, or. Whoever it may be, but Kamara Butler. Yeah, but that stuff is just like when you see that stuff in person. That like you can't just help but like get caught up in like right. how cool it is to watch. Like in basketball is a unique sport like that to watch an individual affect the outcome of a sporting event, like a high level competitive event, like that. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool to see like, one guy have such a, such a, you know, um, dominant effect on right. on things. So. Hat tip to him, or hat tip to him, because he was yeah, and, and Creighton. Great. I thought one of the things that Chris Mullen said afterward was like he thought his guys did a good job, and Shamori was a big part in this in terms of like attacking if it was there in transition, mm-hmm. and then pulling it back out if it wasn't there, and then running offense and just not forcing the issue. Right? Maybe they have done that in the last two games. I haven't watched them a ton, but maybe yeah. that had been a problem. But. Um, they just yeah they had a good uh, a lot of they were pretty well disciplined with how they attacked and gosh what were they in the second half they shot fifteen of twenty three in the second half yes. and yeah um, they were they were scoring I mean it, and they it, missed it's funny because wait, Creighton got on got I was just going gonna say and, and they missed their last four shots right, so they essentially right. they were I mean. actually fifteen and nineteen were, and I think at one point they were seventy five percent shooting with double digit attempts in the second <laughs> half so yeah it, it's funny because I think there was a stretch and I'm sure you charted it where Creighton like. Creighton was on fire in the second half. They were like really, yeah, they, yeah. they really got into a good rhythm offensively, but they could not stop anything to save their life. Right. And I felt like they were making enough plays offensively to really energize the crowd, energize themselves. But like twenty seconds later, they were pulling the ball to the bottom of the net. I don't know. I think there was like a stretch where Creighton was eight of nine and St. John's was nine of nine. You know what I mean? I don't uh, yeah, know. that sounds about right. Yeah, so, yeah. I think there. Were, yeah, Creighton had well had five possession fluke points from like. N- the ten minute mark to the eight minute mark, right? But St. John's scored on three of those three of its five possessions during that stretch. Right. Had a couple turnovers, but then it made more shots after that. <laughs> it did, it did. There was a lot of shot making by St. John's tonight. I mean, especially in the second half. And, and, they, and, they, and they and honestly, like for a team that gets a live by the three, die by the three stigma that Creighton gets, um, certainly from their fan base, is like St. John's is the same way. St. John's fires them up. Like they, yeah. they, they put a small lineup on the floor. I say small because it's not like a traditional. They don't have a big. You know what I mean. They play small ball with a lot of length and athleticism, mm-hmm. but they play small ball. They like to, they like to space it out. They have like to put guys on the perimeter. Let Shamari kind of 
piece things up defensively and find openings whether right. for himself or somebody and, else. And but they took thirty-one threes. I don't think is an anomaly like, for them. I don't know what they normally. I'll check their Kate, by game while we're looking. Uh, Kada shot, or Kada only played four minutes, and uh, Justin Simon only played seven. I guess Justin Simon was dealing with some something. Uh, migraine. Migraine. Yeah. Okay. So. Those are your two non-shooters right. normally who are usually on the floor, and they <laughs> took them off the floor and brought in. Yeah. Uh, well, more times than not, it was uh, Tremble um, who hit shots. What was he four or six on the floor? Hit three threes. Mm-hmm. So they had they had five shooters on the floor, and really spaced Creighton out and caused some issues there too. So. So yeah, this is the fifth time this year that St. John's has been have had at least thirty three three point attempts. So. And they had 26 against Georgetown, 24 against Butler, 35 against Villanova. Yeah, they had a couple. So they they had a couple like fortunate bounces, you know, on a they, on a couple. There were some that was just like brick <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you're on, you have to get you get lucky too. So, yeah, yeah. That's part of it. But um, what do you think? I mean, let's 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 make a mountain out of a molehill here for a second because Creighton is now 16 of their last 57 from three against Butler and St. John's. So in their own home, in their own building too. Yeah. So I think that's a little bit that stands out to me in a short term. I know, but that, if I we think, can overreact, I think, I think to it that's a more term. matchup than anything. They didn't shoot yeah. well against Butler on the road. They didn't shoot well against St. John's on the road. That's true. So to me, that so length on the perimeter yep. is a problem for length sure. Length on the perimeter. They didn't sh- they they shot it okay against Nebraska, but the really the only reason why they shot it okay against Nebraska was because Mitch Ballack was just seven of ten. Yeah. Himself. yeah <laughs> nuts, exactly. and he right. hit some tough shots. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise. I think Oklahoma, Oklahoma had some length, and they really did a good job of running Creighton off the line. Mm-hmm. So that's just who I, this team is very reliant on the three. It's more reliant on the three than any other team that Coach McDermott has coached, at least according to the statistics. Um, all right, at least it gets the percentage of points that it gets. Yeah. Um, its total percentage of points, it's higher. From, it's getting from more from the three-point line than it ever has. I think it probably has more – three-point shooters than he's ever had, which is weird. Is that f- fair to say? I thought. Well, yeah. you think about Tyshawn, Mitch, Marcus, Davion. I, I can't remember if I, I told somebody. Even Caleb to an extent. I, I thought, maybe Sam maybe shoots Maybe we threes. talked about this, like, about how I think Creighton from a sh- – this. yeah, I think we talked about it after Butler's. So we think that this team uh, maybe doesn't have – just collectively is a better shooting team than right. – than, certainly than last year. Last year they felt like they relied a lot on – Marcus Foster and Kyrie Thomas to be hitting, and if they weren't, then uh oh, right. Telby Hagner throw him into that mix too. Sure. But now it's like everyone, exactly. <laughs> everyone can shoot, and, and everyone, um, a lot of guys are shooting forty plus. Mm-hmm. Whereas last year, I think it might have just been Kyrie and Marcus Foster who were forty plus from three point range, and they've got um, well coming into this game, they had four plus Caleb Joseph who shot it well in in, in Big East play from right. three, so. Right. They have a lot of weapons behind the arc, behind the arc, and as Greg McDermott said in the post game, that's that is their best. They're what are they good at? Shooting threes. Mm-hmm. So you try to create. Like who are they when they're at their best? Right. Right. Yeah. You, you try to create scenarios to do what you do best, and that is shoot threes. And right. if they're shooting, if they're making it at forty yeah. percent, which they have all year, I, uh... that. That is good offense. If you if you're making forty percent of your threes, that that's going to equate very favorably favor favorably in terms of like an efficiency. I agree. 
here's what I'm gonna like push and see what 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 you've got for me. Like when the game started getting away from them, I felt like they were too jump shot happy. And with the way St. John's was defending the perimeter, um, especially the way they were, they were reading passing lanes and really being aggressive to jump that that you know, just that I don't know, that take it for granted that it's going to be their swing pass. Like St. John's picked that off repeatedly yes. tonight. Yes. And I felt like Creighton didn't do enough, didn't do enough for the pass fakes, didn't do enough of dribble penetration, getting into the paint, setting the feet, and moving around. Like, and and I think. What maybe deterred them from setting their feet in the paint was a few times in the first half, they coughed the ball up in there doing that and got tied up a few times. Like, yeah. So that probably was like, look, if we get in there, they're going to swarm well, us and, and I, we're not going to be able to get the ball out of there. I, so. I thought the other thing that St. John said well, too, is I thought they closed off driving lanes faster. Like, they kept. Did you? I thought that they. I, well, I thought they were there in the second half. So no, that's no. why I'm wondering. Yeah. I, I meant in the first half. Like, okay. I felt like I thought in the first half that St. John's maybe. So I thought Creighton had a layup line in the second half. They didn't. They, they didn't. They didn't just didn't yeah. go to it enough. You know? I, I, I thought in the first half St. John's did a pretty good job of um, crowding them enough to where they had to stop those drives short. Okay. Shorter than you know. I feel like against St. John's in the where first game, they couldn't game, get all the way to the rim. They they almost in the first game. I felt like they got all the way to the rim a lot. And, right. And probably. More times than they should have, they kicked it out for threes mm-hmm. when they could have gone up and challenged their, the the length of St. John's. Now, those guys are pretty good at blocking shots, but um, if you set your feet inside the paint, you can go up strong with it, maybe get a foul call. Um, but I don't think they got as deep. And whether or not you're arguing that it might have been there, and it might have, yeah. especially in the second half, but I thought in the first half that St. John's did okay at, okay. at, at crowding it. but. Mm-hmm. You're right, though. I mean, like if if well, the shots my, if the shots thing, aren't yeah, falling, I mean, my thing they, is you're three of fifteen in the second half. Well, three. It's they like went there eventually. Was a, midway through the first, yeah, midway midway through the first half into the second half. I mean, there was a stretch where they missed thirteen or fourteen threes, and that was the game right there right. in the middle of the fir- middle end of the first half, start of the second half. That was the game, and that's where they missed all their threes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, it's pretty. It makes sense to say, you got to try something different, but. Right. That's who they are. That's who this team is. True. What? What? Uh, yeah. So while that's going on, you gotta get stops. That's what. That's the other part. Of, that's what. That's the part that made it worse. Was yeah. while the three ball wasn't falling, St. John's was like mm-hmm. they got good looks and they made them. Um, that's what made it as bad as it was. Um, let's see. Uh, Davion Mintz struggled tonight, zero for six from the field. He did have seven assists, two turnovers. That's a decent. That's pretty good for. I would say that's good. Yeah, that's very good. <laughs> yeah. I won't say he did poorly there, but I mean, he did tweet out that he did kind of take. He he he's gonna bear the brunt of this one. He tweeted out that this one was on him mm-hmm. uh, to Creighton fans. Did, that you think again? So I'm, I I, I want to, but I do want to talk about him because I like he's gonna take it. Yeah, because why, he's the leader of the team. Why but I don't know why. If he, why do you think it, if he thinks it's on him? Is that is that? I just think it's because he's the he's the heart and soul of the group like I think it's just hit on him to speak up and say like why Creighton laid an egg tonight why I think Davion's just being a team leader and stepping up for that like taking that upon himself but you know I talked to Tyshawn after the game uh, you know in the tunnel and he's he's wearing a lot of responsibility for this too like about just him not being good enough at calming guys down and when 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 things started to get rolling for St. John's and it wasn't rolling for for Creighton like 
I think that. I, was, I just think I think the overall response tonight, they're disappointed in how they responded. Yeah. They're not disappointed in like they hate losing, but I think I think they're more disappointed in how they responded to the moments of adversity tonight. And that to me was surprising because I thought that they had plenty of moments of adversity last week. Yeah, and they responded exactly. The right way. exactly. And so you would, it was a But I will say that they had a lot of open threes in the first half, especially at the start of the game, that mm-hmm. didn't fall. Like, what they shoot? Maybe one of four from three. Tyshawn made his first, but then they maybe missed three or four in a row. Right. But those were all good looks, and I wonder if that kind of got in their heads a little bit too. It, was just it like, looked like it did. Yeah. I mean, it just, like, what, wait, what is, what's happening? Like, right. We're, Mitch Ballack had that one These in the open corner where he shots. was just, like, wide open. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's usually uh, – uh, so I think so. What maybe the thing, the lesson for this team to learn is like while you are at your peak when you're knocking down threes and getting good looks and getting rhythm looks, like they're not always going to go down. So you've got to make sure your energy level is sustained in the other parts of the game. You can't let the missed but I shots thought they already you. learned that lesson. Though. That's what I thought too. <laughs> yeah, okay. But apparently, but but they reverted back to yeah. You know, they reverted back to letting it affect them. And that's why it got away from them tonight, yeah. because it, it affected other parts of the game. Like, And uh, that's probably the part that was hardest to understand, because if you're trying to figure out, does a young team mature? Like, are they maturing? I felt like they had turned a corner in that area, um, but tonight was a step back. I know, so, and, that, and that's why I, th- I actually think that it might be something to watch, because they prepared well. Greg they McDermott did. Said that he liked them. You saw the first practice. I saw the second. I did think they had good practices. Like, did yeah, you? no, def- definitely did. Yeah. I agree with McDermott, and uh, um, the players echoed his thoughts too, in saying that they thought that they had the right level of focus and energy in practice. So, like, in their minds, they did everything right leading up to the game. Right. In terms so of they were, right. They were yeah. good to go there, and they had been doing everything right in games prior. And then something happened yeah. between. It's hard to figure out. Okay, well, it's easier to. I think I feel like it's easier to come away with from a game and be like, well, you know, our ball screening coverage today was really bad, and we didn't practice that well enough. So we got to get back at that. Mm-hmm. We got to go work on that. We didn't box out today at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to go in the gym and work on that. But after this game, I feel like, sure, there are subtle little things that they're going to have to work on to improve. But the general sort of theme was that they came out flat, and I don't know the reason for it. Yeah, and I don't they know don't, if they, they do. don't seem to know either. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that, to me, is, is So you wonder if that can linger, because that, yeah. that could probably seep into your confidence when you think right. you're doing the right we, things. Yes, that's what I'm it's saying. it's not result and not translating. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy, when you pinpoint the problem, it's like, okay, we can fix that. Mm-hmm. that, that and, and as a competitor, you're, especially this group, I feel like they've been, their, their motivation level to keep working and improving has never dipped. Mm-hmm. But... If you can't diagnose it, that's where it kind of gets to be problematic. So we'll just see, kind of have to monitor how they react and, and yeah. respond over the next couple of days and prepare for uh, a Xavier team that they're obviously good enough to beat. So now that we've set panic into the veins of the Creighton Nation with that bit of conversation there, <laughs> um, <laughs> with, hey, that might be a, there might be a residual effect from that. Let's go to questions. Um can I just say one more thing, though? I thought Greg McDermott said after the game that he thought, you know, we got to make sure that this one doesn't linger. I feel like the only time I remember him saying that, that like the disappointment doesn't linger, that this doesn't affect us long-term, that type of stuff, 
I feel like the only time he said that is after Marquette, which is obvious. Like, that one is obvious. Yeah, you can't let that linger. That was stung. But, like, I don't feel like he's had that kind of um, comment after a game. So I just thought that was noteworthy to me. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he has said that other times. But I just thought that it's, it is sort of an important moment for this team, um, you know, as it tries to figure out just what exactly went wrong. Well, I mean, not only that, but if you just, like, peek ahead to the schedule, like, Xavier is a huge game all of a sudden because yeah. Villanova's waiting for them on the yeah. other side of it. So, like, you don't want to have your backs against the wall going into Philly because that's a team you can put an A-plus effort out against and still lose. Yes. Like, so that's what – that's kind of why Sunday is – this season might be all about Sunday in terms of just, you know, they're fighting for their lives like Max said. So Sunday they kind of got to fight for their lives. Like, they got to come out and fight for – like, show it. Yeah. Um – I think this one's a first half question, but uh, this is from Blake, and I'm not sure how to say his last name. K J A R. So is the J silent? Car? Blake Car? Um, maybe it's Blake Jar, maybe the K silent. And it's like, no. What do you think? I don't want to guess. You don't want to guess? So. <laughs> I kind of already have for you. I <laughs> yeah. gave you the two options. Right, right. You have to agree one way or the other. Just going to let uh, it go. <laughs> just going to let it slide. <laughs> uh, I th- it, he's wondering. Should Creighton trap to get the ball out of Shamari's hands? They tried it. Yeah, they did. They forced a the couple thing is, turnovers Shamari's doing really it, but he's also finding people yeah. when the ball has to leave his hands. Like he, yeah. he's a tough cover. They literally tried everything against Bonds. Like yeah. I don't know what zone, I mean. They tried two different zones: switching, switching, big on little, little on little. Yeah, Zegarowski, Mince, Tyshawn. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Mitch got him a couple times. Right. Like I'm not even really sure what else Creighton could have done. I think, I think I think Christian guarded him once too, like yeah. in the second half. So like, yeah, maybe that, that, I think the whole roster had a shot at him. I guess what they could have done is they're like, look, you can if you want him, go take him. <laughs> no, yeah, it didn't work. You try. All right, like the only person that didn't guard him tonight was Mac, probably. So like, right. they they tried a lot of stuff, just didn't work. Yeah, that's why I mean, you got to appreciate the superstar. Well, because and, and the other thing too, I will say, because I've heard that you know that hard hedge on ball screens. Yeah, people want a lot of that. They right? wanted they want him to do that every position. It's like yeah. the team's for Martin Crumple. Yeah. They want him to bust his ass on defense. But uh, right, yeah. that's hard. It's hard to do, mm-hmm. and it's hard to do because for one, you might have a possession where teams do that three times, yeah. and you have to hard hedge on that and each recover, time, and right. then recover. It just takes a lot out of you. So I, I you, they used it. Maybe they could have used it a little bit more, but mm-hmm. even so, I, I think. Uh, Samari's the type of player who's been around long enough, like he's seen it all. He adjusted. He would adjust it. Mm-hmm. And he did. He did, he adjusted all the different looks they gave him because yeah. they gave him a lot of different ones. Yeah, he eventually figured it out. Uh, this is from Omaha Jays. Uh, can someone do the research on where we stand in major conference basketball for percentage of our shots that are behind the arc? Seems obsessed about this point. We have no offensive balance. So... Yeah, I can uh, yeah, look that up easy. pretty easy. That's easy to look up right there, yeah. Villanova's third in the country. Um, Three-point attempt percentage. 52.9% of Villanova shots are from the three-point line, behind the three-point line. Okay. Um, so Creighton is second among major conference schools, 16th in the country. Just ahead of Auburn. 47.2%, just ahead of Auburn, and uh, just slightly ahead of Purdue. Okay. So this so is according some, to Ken Pomeroy, by the way. But uh, so there's some there's some elite teams in that category, I guess, with the Jays. Yeah. 
It's. I mean, in this day and age of basketball, it's again. Like, well, you've I've, written about this, like that. That when you go back a few years, like, and look at the percentages of who led. More, yeah. Teams are shooting more threes. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a three ball revolution. Uh huh. Creighton's part of it. Yeah. Creighton is at forty point five percent from three. At sixth in the country. That's uh, the percentage of their. That, no, that's their that's their uh, shooting percentage okay. for three forty point five percent. So. And what's their percentage of three point <laughs> attempts? Um. How many like how many how many shots the percentage of shots that are threes? Yes. Um. That is forty seven point two. So they're forty percent on forty percent of their shots. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. That doesn't seem that. That seems pretty good. I mean, their effective field goal percentage is fourth in the country. Yeah, they're pretty elite offensively. Um, let's see. They just, I mean, they really haven't had that many poor shooting nights. And so when they do, it obviously increases the need for them to do other things well. Mm-hmm. And honestly, they haven't done that very often this year except for the Butler game. Let's see. There's... There's a lot of arguing going on in my mentions. Let's see if I can find a question here. Um, this is from JPAC. Why not foul just before the half before Shamari bangs that last one? Could have. Yeah, they could have. I think they had multiple fouls again. Multiple <laughs> fouls again. I think they had four in the first half. Yeah, they did a good job of not fouling tonight. Yeah. That's one thing that they try to do. That is a positive. Me. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, what? Oh my god, they had eight fouls for the whole game. Jesus. <laughs> I, yeah, didn't, I, I didn't I know it. I don't think I noticed that. I saw it and I said, and St. John's at 21. I was like, that feels. <laughs> that's like. Maybe I, maybe that's why Bowling was so upset in the 20 point win, practically. Yeah. He was like on the court chasing referees around. For most of the game. Wow. Eight fouls? That's, a, that's not hardly anything. I'm amazed St. John's shot four free throws all tonight. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. I mean, St. John's did shoot a lot of threes. More than yeah, half that's the shots true. were from behind the that's arc the other. As that's well. the other thing. I got, like, a lot of, like, just people just freaking out about Creighton living by the three and dying by the three. But, like, they shot 34-3. St. John's shot 31. And Creighton attempted, what, they were 12 of 16 on layups. St. John's only shot nine layups. Well, I, I, and then, and then the free throws were like eight of great with eight of fifteen, which is god awful. I mean, I, first of all. I'm then, with you in that as the game is unfolding and you've missed like four or five threes in a row, you have yeah. to be tried to do something. Right. I, I, I get that. That's that. But, that, that goes back to like the square peg round hole right. thing. Like, but the other yeah, side, three point shooting but team, the other side of the coin so, like, is that, you know, they have this whole track record of the, the course of the season that says that they will. I mean, think of the Providence game. What if they got a what? What they shoot in that game? They miss like where they start four of seventeen from the floor from three. Yep. What they if they just the decided game. like, hey, we're not going to shoot any more threes? They 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 won, they made nine in the next ten or something like that. Yeah. And they won the game because of that. that, that still, that's like, what they. How that's many, what they are good at. You know, but they also shot nineteen free throws against Saint against Providence. Like, I thought they had a good balance. That's you know what I mean. So like, I, I, yeah. I guess like. And, I guess they oh. shot they shot twenty nine threes against Providence, but they also had twenty seven, you know, non three point attempts. So the, like, there's balance, there, right? You know and the, and the other thing too that is, is often, um, an, a good indicator of whether or not Creighton's. I don't know if how to how to phrase this. If Creighton is working the ball inside and then kicking it out for mm-hmm. threes, 
I feel like I don't have any numbers to back this up. It just it feels it's probably really anecdotal here, but it feels like when Creighton works it inside, whether it's a post touch or a drive and then kick outside, those threes tend to go down at a higher rate than just when Creighton passes it around the perimeter and shoots a three that way. Maybe it's because the defense has to take, like, the defense is coming from a further diff- distance to contest that shot. Maybe that's part of it. Um, maybe they just feel, it feels more comfortable to catch and shoot in that way. You don't have to, mm-hmm. you don't feel rushed to get it off. I don't know, but... Well, it's probably it, easier to get to your spot if the defense is collapsing on an action and you can play off of that, and then you're ready. So if the pass is, if the, uh, if the, if the kick out is in your shooting pocket... All you gotta do is rise and yeah. fire. Like it's really, it's a, it's a really easy rhythm shot. Right. You know what I mean? Like it just, it, that's just something that I've noticed over the course of the season that I just feel like when they've gone, when they've worked inside out, mm-hmm. their threes fall, seem to fall more consistently than when they're just kind of. Uh, so in moments where they're where they're kind of in a funk, prioritize a post touch maybe. Something like that. Yeah. A post touch or a dribble penetration, yeah. or is it both the same thing? Or would you rather have a, back, a guy? Catch him with his back to the basket and survey. That's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Because you kind of reverse the floor, so you need a good decision maker. Yeah. You know, if you if, if it's going into Martin, he's looking out at the floor now from a different perspective. Like, do you uh, just if you're gonna if you're gonna put if you're gonna say that's how we switch it up, he has right. to be able to make good decisions out of I it. I guess what I would one one of the other things too that I'd be curious about if you're gonna if your argument is that Creighton's got to do something different than shoot a three. Like, what is the next best option? Okay. Like, what what in your mind? Like, last year, I would have said maybe post up Marcus, post up Kyrie, or let those guys go off the dribble, like run a play for them to where you know you're going to isolate them and they can attack downhill. Yeah, last year I would have said Um, Kyrie or Marcus in a post up. Ball screen and let the big dive, um, you know, essentially put the ball in Kyrie or Marcus's hand and let him go to work. Mm -hmm. So this year, what is the next, what's the option? Because I can well, see, I can see the argument to where Creighton's best offensive play call, maybe it's best like three or four, is get someone open for a three. Yeah, I would agree. So, so you're, you're asking me for the alternative. Yeah. Right? What else? Okay. What else? What else does this team well, do well? Okay. Enough? So like yeah. as it's currently constructed, because let's Epperson's out for the year. Normally, I would say a ball screen with Epperson running to the rim, and then ball reversal. Either you. Get react into off that, an yeah. pass, or you, or you have the, the defense collapse on him, and then there's an open three on the wing. So right now, I would say like, I liked that. I liked what they did against Butler with the ball screen with Martin, where they had him run to the rim. They had him slip to the rim, and while the point guard didn't throw the lob, he did have the. Reversal to the wing, entry pass to Martin because he's sealed oh, yeah. his player. Right. Like I think something like that. My number one thing, I think Creighton's offense is at its best when Martin gets a touch inside. So I actually think, while a three point shot is their number one, I agree that is their number one option. I think how they get it is through Martin. Yeah, so that comes so back like to number, our con- yeah. that conversation where I was like, if they can work it inside out. Right. The next thing I said, if the three ball isn't falling, I would rather have Davion or Tyshawn or Marcus because he's really good at finishing as well. Going to the rim, right? Just, just head down, go. Right, but like, they don't usually. Because then, the, 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 uh, then there's two scenarios: you yeah. either get the layup and finish because they're good finishers, 
or they get to the free throw line, right. which unlocks their which which I think helps shooters get going in general, and then that might unlock the three ball in a, you know a couple possessions down the stretch after that in swimming possessions. It's just interesting so I think, because I think everything in the way that Creighton's offense is set up, they will call plays for for yeah. players oh, at they times. Will. They will, but if they're if they're just kind of running their offense, a lot of times it feels like. The idea is just get the ball moving, get the floor space, make the defense work, and then eventually somebody will have an advantage situation that they can exploit. Mm-hmm. We don't know who it's going to be necessarily, but we're just going to run offense, and then that person who has it, he has to take advantage. And I right. feel like um, there have been stretches in games where either they haven't been as committed to that idea where they're all working together to kind of create this one mismatch or this one moment where somebody can kind of take advantage Either they haven't been as committed to that, or when that person has the advantage, he hasn't taken advantage, mm-hmm. and you know everything's just sort of like then they. Well, I think find one, out I think they have to just settle for it. I think one of the things that affects them, especially in a matchup like this where St. John's has a lot of length and they can swallow Creighton up on the perimeter, is Creighton doesn't have great decision makers. Like, I'm not sure who you would consider a great decision maker on this team. I think Mitch is one of them, but he's not a primary ball handler. <laughs> he's kind of an off the ball guy. Um. You know he can he can play on the ball in transition, but normally he's trying to find the cleanest outlet pass he can find, and then he has to get to a corner. Um, so I think he's a good decision maker. I just don't know who else is. You know what I mean? Like I think Marcus will get there, but I don't think right now he does that consistently enough because he's still learning everything at a high pace right now, a different pace than he normally played at. So. I just, don't, I, I just I don't know if Creighton's mature enough to make those decisions on the fly as consistently as they need to when the offense is in a funk. And I think that's what you're talking about is, like, that move it, spray it, cut, run, find a spot, and then get the best shot you can right. requires you to be a good decision maker. And, normal, and that means sometimes being a good decision maker means turning down what the defense is giving you because they're giving it to you for a reason. Like St. John's tonight gives you baseline all night because they want you to come in there and then they can collapse on you and force a turnover, block a shot, trap you at the baseline, and just force you in a bad spot. They give you the baseline. You know, like, that's, that's, that's taking what the defense is giving you on purpose, but that's what they want you to do. So, like, you have to be a good enough decision maker to see that and say, nope, that's not what we want, that's what you want. So, like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's just, it's, it's a little bit more nuanced than just, I guess... Um, Making the right pass. Yeah, yeah, right, you know what I mean? Like, you've yeah. got to make sure you're getting what you need to get out of it, not what they want you to get out of it. And I, I wonder if some of that is literally just youth. youth and I think not, it is experience. Not, yeah, I want to like youth, but it's like experience playing together. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what they right. Yeah. That's where I, I like the minutes continuity stat for Kimpom better than the age stat, if you will. But but Creighton's, I think, eighth in the league in that category too. So <laughs> it's yeah. not a battle either way in both categories, right. age and um, amount of playing time they have in their current roles together. Right. Um, let's see. I think this is our last – Oh, we have two more, I think. No, nope, there's one more. One more relevant question, then a lot of noise. Um, why does this staff always let the other teams dictate our lineup? So I guess St. John's having a small lineup on the floor. Why does Creighton try to match St. John's? Why doesn't Creighton um, go big and try to right. force St. John's to match up? I mean, I think I'll, I mean, honestly, Creighton's small lineup is their best lineup. That's the number one thing. Like they're, they, they're, Creighton's coaches feel like their best lineup, especially from an especially offensively, 
and that's what their identity is built in is their offense. Right. So if they can get their best offensive lineman up on the court, they're going to do that, and that's what St. John's allows them to do because St. John's plays small. So yeah. in Creighton's mind, I don't they, know what I don't know how a big lineup would have matched up with St. John's tonight because St. John's was really spacing the floor. Well, like once they, they put those five shooters on, it became a, <coughs> a serious problem because yeah. Creighton didn't know who to put Martine on. Like mm-hmm. they was guarding Mustafa Heron at one point. Exactly in the second half, like he almost couldn't even hardly play. Like right, yeah. Like he, it was hard to figure out who he because Justin si- when Justin Simon's on the floor, I guess for people that don't know, Justin Simon is. Is it like a non-shooter essentially? He's like twenty-six percent for three on the year or something like that. So like, they can play off of him and plug the lane and help on other guys. Like they can really cheat off of him and do things creative defensively. But when he wasn't on the floor tonight, how, how had, many minutes did Kate? I was looking, I just realized I said he had four minutes, but that was the uh, first half box. How many minutes? Simon had seven. Yeah, I know. So Simon finished with seven. He didn't play in the second half. But what did the Kata, the oh. their big man? Sorry. He finished with. Eight. Eight minutes. Yeah. So he wasn't on the court very much at all either. No. But, like, Trimble was on the court for 30. He played 33, 33. minutes. Yes. So essentially. They had, five, they had five guys over 30. Trimble essentially turned into the fifth starter after Simon mm-hmm. couldn't go. So that and, and all those guys can shoot it really well. Greg Williams was the other guy who got double-digit minutes. He had 10, and he's, he stood on the three-point line and waited for his opportunity. He made one. He did. Um, after getting frustrated for missing the first one, he was wide open. Uh, yeah. I think he thought he wasn't going to play anymore after he missed that. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, is relevant. But, yeah, they they essentially rode five guys tonight, and all of them were shooters. And all of them shot well, pretty much. Right. I mean, Aaron was 7 of 12. Figueroa was 7 of 11. Pons was 7 of, or 10 of 17. Clark was 3 of 6. And then Trimble was 4 of 6. So, so honestly, you could make an argument that Creighton actually did try to force St. John's to dictate, like, you could get, uh, I don't know, based on Creighton's depth, if it would have been a good idea, but, like, could you have made an argument that Creighton should have put five guards on the floor to guard those guys instead of having a big? Yeah, like, so as you like, said, take Martina out. Yeah, like, yeah. that would be weird. I think, you know, it I, mean, would, I, think, I think they could have if Connor didn't get hurt. Because essentially, then Caleb was the only other reserve guard they had. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, so they like, didn't you kind of the option. Because if you put. And then if you put five guards on the floor, then you have literally no subs. <laughs> so <laughs> you put that's all your guards. Yeah, all of your guards are out there. So that's it. that's it. You're just running them on fumes, pretty much. Um, so yeah, you know it's funny. They went they went zone, and people like they people loved the two three zone that they did not play against Georgetown, except for the time when they gave up the three and then the foul on the, the rim. The announcers right. called it out like they're they're in the zone and it's like mm-hmm. no nah, no nah, nah, people I'm, loved I'm that man. people loved that non two three zone that Creighton was playing and then Creighton switched to it tonight. That's that was only that was Figueroa's only three was the deep oh like yeah. twenty five footer when the yeah. first possession Creighton right. switched to it. Creighton played so they, Creighton tried a lot of things defensively tonight. They were I, not just like gonna let Shamari beat them. They tried to they tried to stop him, they tried to stop everybody else. Yeah. Like it just wasn't happening. St. John's was was yeah, because they, they have that 2-3 zone, which is a different look because they're, they're kind of like, uh, I don't know how to phrase it. They sort of like switch at the perimeter, and they're rotating a little bit based on where the ball is and where the <coughs> man are. I was watching John Calipari, uh, a, uh, like him teach zone, and he was talking about how you, you, you sort of tag it, and if, if the ball is in a certain spot, then a defender 
raises up um, to the perimeter, say the ball's at, at just off the top of the key, then one of the, the defenders at the top of the 2-3 zone goes up to the ball while the other one sort of sags in. Mm-hmm. It's almost like... Um, it's almost like your typical man-to-man defense where you have a man who's sitting in the uh, in the gap trying to plug the driving lane, and then he will get, if the ball gets reversed to the other side of the court, he'll move up, move with the ball and try to take the man, the new um, ball handler. But it looks odd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what Craven's doing, it looks weird. Uh, well, we, we've always thought it looks like a 1-3-1, but it's a 2-3 it's a zone. I think it's with a 2 a, With like yeah. a guy who... Who I guess would normally play the outside wing spot is in a like a he has like in and out responsibility. Right. He he, he, he also he can, handles dribble penetration, but he yeah. also handles catch on the wing. Right. And, and a spot like that. Um, they also played one thirty one straight up one thirty one at at a stretch in the in the second half too. Gave up yeah. Three. I'm sure gave up threes. You know, know who else played that same. Type of two three zone. I was watching the other night TCU against Texas Tech. Oh really? And they also got bombed on. <laughs> I want to pull out that game then. I yeah, wanna, Jamie Dixon went that. to it in the second half when they were down fifteen, and they immediately gave up a rhythm three from the wing. Oh. And then they gave up another wide open look that Texas Tech missed. And well, they got out the, of it. the challenging thing for Creighton playing zone is it doesn't have a lot of length, right. and it doesn't have a rim protector. Right. So I mean, I think of when I watch Baylor play their zone, I'm like, okay. That, well, this team, I guess, Baylor, is a little bit different. But ideally, you have somebody who can – you have a lot of length to plug those passing lanes and you can be active enough. You're flying around to where you can bother the team and then you can protect the rim. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it just seems like a – obviously, Creighton's got to do different – try different things. And if you're getting beat, you got to figure out – got to be willing to switch it up. But – it doesn't feel like they have the personnel to really be an effective zone team. Right. I agree. We got a late question at the buzzer, by the way. All right. Will Crate never realize they can't live and die by the three in the Big East? And I'm going to, you know, like, no. Like, they can because... Well, I will say that, that I thought... But my thing is, like, the only time I'm saying, like, when you can't is when you know it's off. Then you got to... Try something else. You know? I thought last year and two years ago, particularly before Maurice Watson went down, mm-hmm. they were not a live by the three, die by the three team. Mm-hmm. They did shoot a lot of threes, but that wasn't. But the rim was their biggest weapon. Yes. Yeah. They attacked the rim and they got a lot of really good looks at the rim. Yeah. And that. And I think if they had Jacob Everson, they would do that again. You think so? I mean, I do, because I think he's yeah. really dangerous at that area of the game. I think if he were healthy, he. I think. I think once he's healthy. They have what they had in Justin Patton again, a guy who can really uh, get up and down the floor, run well, and put a ton of pressure on the rim. Yeah. I mean, think about the Villanova performance last year. Wasn't that arguably their best performance of the year? Last season, yes. Yeah, and Epperson just tore Villanova apart at the rim. Right. So, like, to me, that's still who they can be when they're at full strength. Right now they're not, though. So. All right, so their percentage of total points um, this year – it's forty one point five percent from three. Okay. So lock that number in your head. Forty one point five. That's how many uh, points they're getting from a percentage of their points from three point line. Last year is thirty seven point two. Okay. Um, and then in two thousand seventeen, it was thirty one point nine. That's a jump. So 
But that's what you were talking about. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like they, they haven't, haven't always. They haven't had. What's this. the Doug year? Go to the 14. Doug, I believe it was 38, but let me see. 38.8. Okay. Okay. So they were reliant that season. They were. So this but I'm season, saying but the last two the, years, yeah. they they had they had other weapons, they had other options. But this team, the way it's made up, I don't know what you can rely on consistently. Right. Um, just with the personnel they have, mm-hmm. that is as efficient or has the potential to be as efficient or as reliable as their three point shooting. Yeah. To me, it's like if they. That that just seems like their best option, so they have to go with it. I don't, I don't. Until I until they until they groom some of these guys to do things differently, or um, until they get more experience with finding Martine down low and and maybe attacking the rim. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they are going to be a team that lives by the three or dies by it. Yeah, and this year definitely. This year, where I'm trying to where I'm going right now in my mind is like trying to forecast the future of this nucleus like and when you think about uh healthy jacob everson christian bishop sam froling martin crample if he comes back next year that's quite a lot of depth in your front court and also guys who are really good at finishing around the rim around the basket so i could see creighton um coming down from that 41.5 number a little bit in the next year or two uh, because of how much versatility they'll have on the floor offensively, don't you think? Yeah. Because they can – I mean, Sam is a guy who can pose his back to the basket. So is Martine. Jacob's more of a face-up guy, but he can score around the rim, and he certainly can be effective in slipping to the rim, and the lob game is there for him as well. Uh, I think it's also there for Christian as well too. And if, if Christian doesn't develop his jump shot, um, then his only uh, – means of scoring is um, the lob game the rim, inside yeah. and catching and posting up and things like that. So I think Creighton has, has some youth in the front court, but they've got some skill down there too. And I could see that. I could see the game becoming more balanced for them offensively as uh, this group grows up together a little bit. Yeah. So that's just – I don't – so like if people are worried about – Again, like Creighton just came off of a terrible three point shooting game and beat Butler like by fourteen. So I don't know if the team's success is, you know, necessarily always dependent on the three ball, but clearly with the injuries they're going through right now with Epperson out and the I guess the sped up development of Christian Bishop and maybe Sanford, you know, being a freshman, like they're forced to just, you know, gamble on their best weapon, and that's the three ball. Yeah, I think that's where they're at right, right now. But that's not where they want to be, ideally. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. and that's not where they have been the last two years. So I don't think uh, that... Exactly. I don't think... They were like that with in those Doug era teams at mm-hmm. the end of the Missouri Valley. They also... Yeah, the 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 14 team we, we looked up tonight, like that, that team also didn't have a post game at all. So mm-hmm. like Doug was their only right. player. Right, right. Like Ethan didn't score with his back to the basket, so like that's the only... So their offense was the three ball that year. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so, they've yeah. they've morphed a little bit, um, or attempted to morph. It's just that well, they, they've morphed because they have some slashers, right? Like right. so, yeah, that's they can. Yeah, again, like that's what I think. Like Marcus, Tyshawn, and Davion, like getting downhill is a, you know, a means of scoring for them. So I think that's something that 
while they are small and while the three ball is their best weapon and their best chance to win games, those three definitely can still put pressure on the rim with their um, ability to get downhill and get there. Yeah. So, um, I think that's it. Um, Xavier, any thoughts? They got Georgetown tomorrow. Boy, so yeah, I haven't really watched be, a uh, ton of Xavier, honestly. Lucky you. I wonder. I've uh, watched too much Xavier. Well, we were talking about length of on the perimeter. I think a Najee Marshall. That. He's got. He's there. Quite Scruggs. Scruggs. Um, they can. They could bother Graydon a little bit. Mm-hmm. They don't shoot the three. Right. They probably are the worst three-point shooting team. In the, are I they the Im- worst in the league? I would imagine so. Yeah, I think they are. Um, they really struggle from three. And, and, and they turn the ball over a ton. And they also just haven't had, like, um... So the beast. Well, I was going to say, it feels like they haven't... Below the conference only. Yeah, conference only. Three-point shooting. Providence, Providence is really bad. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, Xavier is Xavier's sixth. ninth. No, they're ninth. 30.2%. No, Butler's three. ninth. Xavier's sixth. Oh, that's for the percentage. You're right. Sorry. My bad. Yeah, they're 30.2%. Yeah. That feels right. So they, turn the ball, so they turn the ball over a ton, and they don't shoot the three ball very well. Yeah. They're, they're very bad at shooting the three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Although they were knocking some in against Marquette in that first half. They were. <laughs> and all those guys, it seemed like we're, we're choking them pretty well. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, Zach Hankins is their newcomer. I mean, he's got kind of an inside-outside game to him. I think he's he's more of a face-up lob guy. Ty- Tyreek Jones is the back to the basket, um, back to the basket guy. Quentin Gooden, I'm not really sure what kind of guy he is. But this I, th- year. I uh, think that when they have those two bigs on there, like on the court together, I think Creighton is going to have to use two bigs unless you unless you feel like a guy like Mitch Balick, um can guard Hankins because he's more of like a face up okay. style big shooter sure. type guy. Yeah. But um He's gonna have to because good lord they don't know I mean Connor's probably Right well, I guess the way we Connor him. Connor's probably out for at least that game based on the yeah, how bad that injury was M R I on Thursday and then yeah. they'll get a report back on, on the severity of his injury for Connor Cashwell but mm-hmm. it's another hit to Creighton's death but depth but yeah. Might that might force Creighton to play with two bigs on the court? Because they don't have any guards. <laughs> like, like they can't play. Yeah. They, it's it's weird because the injuries are almost like taking away the small lineup. Yeah, one by because one. they have all, all their depth um, in the front court has to be used now because they got to put five fresh bodies on the floor. Right. Um, yeah, and, and I think the big lineup against Xavier is. I think we're going to see it because it's a matchup thing. Like Xavier's going to throw two bigs out there, and they're going to be pretty long in general. But I think Christian and Martin will play together quite a bit on yeah. Sunday, just because of the matchup. Um, yeah, it's interesting though. You know, I think Xavier's still trying to figure things out because I don't think I. I mean, I I know they're struggling and I don't think they're happy with that. But I also don't think they're kind of like, well, this is who we are. We just got to get better at it. Like they're trying different things. Like I think they featured. Um, they played through Paul Scruggs a little bit more against Marquette, and it was pretty effective. They were kind of in that game most of the time. Oh wow, they've and lost then, three in a row. Yep. And then they go to Georgetown. Seven. Could be on a four-game losing streak coming here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So just another team coming in with their basket against the wall against the Jays. Right. Um, but no, I just think I think. Uh, Can I ask you about that real quick before we go? Because I, I, you know, that to me is something that it's it's always hard to sort of uh, put your finger on it, but um, 
St. John's really needed this win. Yes, they did. And as they have Duke and Marquette next. And as good. as Greg McDermott said after the game, Creighton needed it too. I mean, this and we kind of talked about this. That yeah, we it was it was an important game for Creighton. Um, do you think this team is still learning lessons about how to sort of be or how to handle the heightened level of urgency from its opponent? You know, like, mm. the uh, the season is long, especially when we get to this point in the year and we're in the middle of conference play now. Um, sometimes the margin for error isn't is pretty small, but it does feel like, I don't know, there's, there's certain instances when you can circle a game and say, you know what game really stuck, stuck out to me? It was last year at Xavier where Creighton got just waxed. Mm-hmm. You remember that game? Yeah. And Xavier came in from that game. I think they had lost two in a row. Um, I can't remember if it was two or three in a row. And they, yeah, they lost two in a row. They lost to Providence and Nova, and they were coming home. They lost two on the road, and they coming home. And it was like, it almost felt like the Jays sort of knew what was coming. I remember and they just got, they just, ha- they weren't, this is just kind of like, well, we can't, what are we supposed to do? Like, yeah. Xavier's going to play really well okay. because they need to. Yeah. I wonder if there's just something there where it's, it's like. Well, I would argue Creighton had the same situation when Villanova came to town and they did that. Yeah, so like, that's true. It just depends. Right. Sometimes and you're. The, maybe that's just lit, like, yeah. that's literally just basketball because you're never yeah. going to have it. Right have that every game. Because like, like we both said, Creighton prepared, just like did everything they're supposed to do. We said it in a different context, but um, Creighton prepared well for this game. Yeah. But I think just St. Juan just brought a little bit different level of, you know, the mix of desperation with urgency and like all of those um, factors. And like Shamari just at some point tonight said, we're not losing a third game in a row. And then that's just what I think happened. he said that like um, after he hit that third three right before halftime. That might have been and it. Then he he's like, held up the three. He's like, just in case the first two weren't enough yeah. of an indicator. He held up Here's three fingers. Bit. Yeah, uh, had, I think he he shouted some. And you know what? And you know what? He hit one and then turned to look at Creighton's bench. So I think he let them know too that they weren't losing tonight. <laughs> yeah. So like they that Creighton was probably like, yeah, Suddenly you know what? I wrote about that actually. <laughs> just his. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I would he, have. He had a lot of he had a lot of emotion. He had a lot of emotion and uh, and certainly a lot of determination. So now it's up to Creighton to sort of find that. And uh, like, what, you, yeah. like you said, they, they, they have it in them. Um, well, we just saw it last I guess week. to answer your question, because it is a good question, I, I haven't really done it, but like to answer your question, I think Creighton is learning what that is. Because they're like, they, they've learned that maybe what they think is what is going to be their a good enough effort to win isn't necessarily... Um, the right, it's not the right mix, place to yeah. be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they probably thought going into the Nebraska game that they were like, "Look, Nebraska wants to beat us. The rivalry game. We're fired up. They're fired up." But they didn't understand what that environment was going to be like. Um, uh, I think Marquette. They were like, "Yeah, we almost had that one. We can't let one loss be two. But then all of a sudden, Villanova starts punching them back a little bit after they got to a hot start offensively in the first half, and then they were like, "Oh shit, this isn't, this isn't." We again, we don't again, we don't understand what it takes, and like, so they're learning kind of like what the levels are like. You know what I mean? Because uh-huh. there's levels to it. So like, Creighton will have to figure out 
what urgency actually means when you have a desperate team in front of you and when you have to be that desperate team too. So right. like, that's kind of what it is. I thought, like, I, I thought, but I thought the Butler game was an indication of Creighton wanting to be the desperate team, wanting to play that way because they didn't let any of the things that didn't go well affect them. Yes, they turned the ball over eighteen times and shot terribly from three, and they won by fourteen because. Yep. They're like, we're not losing, we're going to be tough, we're going to make plays, we're going to overcome everything for, that isn't for working. For 40, like, 40 minutes. They've shown that right. at times for like five, ten-minute stretches, but this they mm-hmm. did that the whole game yeah. against Butler on Friday. Right. So I think, yeah, it's all part of the – I do believe it's part of the maturation of the group as a whole because they are – while they're growing up and they're not going to be – at some point, they're getting close to that point where they're not a young team anymore, they are still in these roles together – for the first time. So, like, it's all part of the lessons they learned. And I think, again, they, they kind of remind me of the 15-16 team where there was just, like, a lot of up and down. Like, they had moments where it was like, oh, my God, this looks like a team that, you know, has a chance to win a tournament, and a tournament game if they get there. Or, But then they play their way out of it by losing at home to Seton Hall in the pink-out game and lost to Marquette at home after beating them on the road. Like, that team just had a lot of, like, inconsistency to it. And then the sixteen seventeen team was a team that came back with a ton of experience, added a piece in Justin Patton that redshirted that year, and then they took off. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so I think this team is following that same path, that they have that trajectory because they are talented. Um, and they do have depth as well if they can get it healthy, uh, which is always the wild card. But I think they're heading in the right direction. Just this team's going to be the one that kind of has to take the lumps and be the inconsistent because they have to learn what it takes. Okay. And I think that just comes with learning how to be a D1 basketball player, which a lot of these guys are learning how to do. Right. So that's kind of my long answer to your question, if that helped at all. No? No, it didn't. You looked like, you, you looked like you're bored. No, no, no. I was just kind of thinking. I was, I sort of, again, I, I always kind of just go, it's funny, um, Crane has a bunch of sophomores, and, and they played a lot of basketball and now their freshmen are kind of getting groomed, but there's mm-hmm. still a difference between an underclassman and a junior or a senior. Mm-hmm. Don't you notice with Villanova? Yes. It's looking apparent with Villanova. <laughs> Villanova had a lot of young guys, and they had to replace a lot. Um, but they looked like they figured things out, and they looked really scary. But because it, they have Phil Booth, who's won two national titles, yeah. Eric Pascal, who was amazing in the Final Four. Like, we forget that those guys were... They played at the highest level of college basketball and played at a high level in that on that stage. You know what I mean? That's invaluable. Yeah, they know what it takes. Yeah. So, when you know, winning this league is going to be nothing to them. I think. <laughs> like Marquette's got a shot, but they're the only team with a shot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? No one's going to even come close. Right. Like as much as experience, as, as talented as St. John's is, they're not going to. They're not even going to be in that conversation. Like, Villanova's not going to lose. I just thought it was interesting that, like, I was looking at the top scorers in the league, and the league lost so many veteran scorers. Yeah, you mentioned that the other day. And and still, in the top 12, there's one underclassman, it's Tyshawn. Everyone else is juniors and seniors. Yep. The top 12 scorers in this league are juniors and seniors. I mean, like, experience matters in this game so much. College basketball is, like, where it's... Where, unless, I mean, college football unless you is got the Zion, one sport that's if, weird if, to, yeah. if Zion right. is your freshman, right. okay, right. Yeah. that's that's fine. Like, yeah. otherwise, you better have dudes who know how to do it and who've been there before and who are really talented, too, because the teams that are winning in this sport have that. 
and if not, if if you don't, then you're just kind of trying to figure it out and hoping that it yeah. it works. Like I I think of one team that doesn't have like an NBA underclassman that is young. I think it's LSU. Maybe they have one guy. Is Nas Reed on draft boards? I think so. Okay, maybe I don't he know is. if he's lottery, but he's there. But LSU's really young, yeah. and they've they've put it together. But mm-hmm. that's they're like the anomaly. Most other teams that are young. Purdue's, going ju- Purdue's jumping into that category, though, too, because they're starting to get on a roll. Purdue? Yeah. They have it, Carson Edwards. Well, they've got Carson That's not, That's it, though. You weren't, yeah, uh, no, I'm talking about if you have, like, I'm talking about teams that don't have that. Oh, don't even have the Carson Edwards. Right, okay. but, th- that, but that are also young or inexperienced or trying to work things out. Like, mm-hmm. a lot of these teams are have, have had this sort of, like, up and down run. Um, so... That's what Creighton's dealing with, and obviously, mm-hmm. the Jays want to make the NCAA tournament. And they want to finish in the top half of the league. Third place is up for grabs, even still. It's gonna be up for grabs for like a month. Yeah, yeah. So you don't want to make any excuses because if you do, then that may hamper you from reaching your ultimate goal. But mm-hmm. um, they still have some things to work out. Yeah, so I mean, sooner I think rather I, than later. I don't that's know. What you hope. I don't want to say like it's not gonna happen, but it is gonna be tough for them to make the NCAA tournament now with two losses to St. John's. Like so. You figure they're below them in the pecking order, and then, like we've done before, we wonder how much the Big East even going to get. So like, yeah, yeah, it's we it's, can assess that if you want after the Xavier game. Okay, it's see possible. where they're at. Yeah, although if they lose that game, we probably won't to assess it at all. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's uh, good enough for us tonight. You've you've heard us talk about enough. Um, so yeah, just uh, before Sunday, I guess uh, you know where to go for your coverage. Uh, White and Blue Review will have recaps, notebooks, podcasts. Uh, this podcast, I shouldn't say podcast, but we'll have another one Sunday. You want to use a Bowl Sunday podcast? Oh, yeah. man, I forgot about that. I know. Ooh. Ugh. So we they, may, what time do they tip off? They tip off at one thirty, right? Or is it 1? That's a good question. I don't know. We Super may Bowl have starts to. at 5.30, right? We, we may have to revisit this. Yeah. We're going to have to have a conversation. 5.30? I think so. That's what time it always starts, right? Oh, man. Isn't it the same time every year, 5.30 or something? Yeah. Maybe it kicks off at 6. And the, the well, right, 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 right. That's what it is. Yeah. Just the pregame is always ridiculous. And Yeah, we might be able to still give you a podcast, I think. Maybe we'll have to do a shortened one. We never do shortened podcasts. We, never, we used to. I, I know. Last year, I felt like we had a good, <laughs> we, had, we had a 30 to 45. We had it figured out, but this year we ramble a little bit. Yeah. All right. Let's see what time. What time? What what game are we looking at Sunday? Xavier. I think it's at one. Noon. Oh, it's even better. Yeah, we'll give you a podcast. All right, we'll be we'll be we'll be fine. We can do it. Um, yeah. So we'll give you. Uh, yeah, we'll have this podcast, and then Sunday we'll talk to you again. Um, also, uh, head to Omaha Omaha dot com. If I can say the word, can't even say Omaha anymore. Omaha dot com for John stuff. Uh, Buy a newspaper, subscribe to the site. It's still six ninety nine, right? For sports only. Sports only. That's I mean pretty good deal. Nebraska's in turmoil, so Jays fans, you probably want to read that too. Like, you know, just for to make you feel better about this and just, you know, because you guys take joy in you know, your rivals being in turmoil. So Yeah. I mean um, I, Nebraska fans had a good night tonight, so they did. <laughs> they got they got to be feel good for a night. Um, I, love, I love rivalries in college basketball. Because oh, I, I got some text from friends I went to Purdue. So I got some text from friends 
taken pleasure in Indiana struggles. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you. Uh, that's yeah, you're you're smiling. A little, you're like you're glowing. You know that like. Yeah, and I'm taking pleasure in it yeah. as well. Like, so, you know okay. they say like when a, when a woman's pregnant, she has that glow or whatever. John's got that glow with Indiana <laughs> dropping seven seven in a row, right? That sounds right. Yeah, they lost to Rutgers tonight, so yeah, they joined that club. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. I'm trying to think what else I wanted to say. Well, do you have anything coming up feature wise? Um. Between, I guess, before Sunday. Because that's what we'll that's Yeah, probably not. Okay. I mean, nothing nothing over the... Nothing out of the ordinary. But your recap's up right now, and you'll have a notebook tomorrow, yeah. right? Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so that's where you go. Omaha.com, White and Blue Review. We will talk to you again on Super Bowl Sunday after Creighton versus Xavier. Thank you for tuning in. Have a good week, everybody.